We finished the conversation today that I think is one of the most important conversations in all the Bible, one of the most important passages in all the Bible. I refer to it as a Mount Everest mountaintop experience. And if you really don't know anything else about God or the Bible but this story and this conversation, I think you know enough. It's everything. It's, it's all right here, and it's where Jesus meets this woman at a well, and so far, um, he has been, he's done a lot of amazing things, scandalous things, said some scandalous things in this conversation, and it comes to an end, and it leads to a feast, and that's what we're going to look at to, uh, here now as we, we continue the red letter to Jesus. Um, let's look at John chapter 4. Verses four or verses twenty-seven through forty-two, and this is right after. You may remember if you were here last Sunday, Jesus is having this theological conversation, this religious conversation with this woman who's who's just been exposed. Um, her whole story has been exposed, and she tries to divert attention to theology. And Jesus goes with her. And they sort of end up talking about whose church is best. And then Jesus, in effect, says, here's, here's the good news about now. You don't have to go to God. God comes to you. And she says, well, I know when Messiah, the Christ, shows up, he'll explain all things. And then he says, I am he. Really, I am the speaking to you. Okay, that had, that's just happened. Let's pick up right there. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. In the meantime, disciples spoke to Jesus saying, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples asked each other, has someone brought him food? Jesus said to them, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Don't you have a saying, four more months and then it's time for harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for harvest. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and gathering fruit for life eternal so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This is a true saying that one sows and another harvests. I have sent you to harvest what you didn't work for. Others worked hard, and you will share in their hard work. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when when she testified, he told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, your word earlier in this passage says 
that you were not sent to judge the world or to, to condemn the world, but so that the whole world might be saved through you. Help us to enter into that salvation. I, I confess, I need it. I think my friends need it. The, the whole world needs saving. So would you heal us now? No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even, I pray that we would experience this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, it's been horrific seeing images. I haven't seen many. Um, I, I'm, honestly, I'm kind of so just inundated with bad news. And, and we have it all at our fingertips now, which makes this cultural moment unique. Um, but, but still, I, I, of course, I know what's going on in, in Hawaii and Maui and um, Patty's friend, Danielle, who was with us at the brewery gathering, is, is used to live in that place. As a matter of fact, it's now just um, gone, basically. And we see in these images and hear in these stories about the devastation of fire. Fire can absolutely be catastrophic. There's also a thing about fire that can be good. Sometimes, and some of y'all know this, I'm sure, but you know, when there's, there are these natural fires that spring up because of lightning. And these, this, in this way, fire, the power is harnessed by nature to actually kill and burn up all the dead wood so that new life may come, may spring forward. This is the rhythm of life, isn't it? This is just woven into the fabric of reality. Death and destruction, pain, isn't the final, doesn't have the final say on the story, isn't the end of the story. Death, pain gives way to new life. Death gives way to resurrection. This is woven in to the fabric of reality. And fire also is meant to be understood that way as burning down the dead wood, so to speak, so that new life may spring forth. There's this um, cryptic saying of Jesus's that, that's recorded in Luke twelve forty nine, where Jesus announces this. He says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth. And how I wish it were already blazing. Now, a lot of us who grew up in the church, perhaps when we think of images of fire in the Bible, we think of judgment and condemnation. What if that's not the way we should think of fire? What if instead we should think of it as bringing about something new, new life. That's certainly what Jesus means here. As I just said in, uh, in the prayer in John three seventeen, we, we see very clearly the reason Jesus showed up. That's not to condemn the world. That's not to bring that kind of fire of judgment, but so that the world might be saved through him. There's a purifying element to fire that Jesus is talking about. And friends, I don't know about you, but I, I think what he's describing is now. Like this cultural moment. There's a war in Ukraine. There is human-caused climate change. There is, um, yeah, hurricanes in Los Angeles. Uh, there's um, these fires in Maui. There's 
the ruin of American evangelicalism. I think we're living in the ruins of that. Uh, there are all these things. This is a hard, our country, this country is fraying at the ed, at the edges. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'm, I'm not optimistic about this country. I am very optimistic, though, about the kingdom and what God is doing through this fire. I believe that is what is happening. And so instead of, you know, holding up signs, though, that say the end is near, this is a sign of this passage. It's only the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. And there's a feast that we have laid out for us, yeah, at the end of the world. At, uh, at, during the, the, uh, at the, right before the apocalypse. But here's the surprise twist. It's a banquet. It's a party. You invite all of your friends, all of your neighbors. It's for anyone and everyone. And it's exactly, it's not gloom and doom. It is actually feasting time. That's what this fire is about. That's what's happening. I really believe that is what is going on in this cultural moment globally. And this happens about every 500 years, something on a global scale. This is sort of like course correction, (laughs) reawakening. The last one was the Protestant Reformation a little over 500 years ago, and maybe that's what's happening now. This is what this passage is telling us. This, This much I know for sure is it was feasting time when Jesus was with this woman at the well, and it's feasting time now. It's time for a feast. That's the good news. Um, I, I heard even this week, uh, I, I don't know if it was one of Elliot's YouTube uh, things he was watching or some of his friends, but you know how kids today are like, when, when, you, when you meet them, they're like, what's good? You know, what's good? Let's ask Jesus that. What's good? What's good about the good news? Remember, we're asking that every Sunday. What's good about this passage? Jesus, what's good? Here's the good news. Believe it or not, it's actually feasting time. In this passage here, the woman, I think this is very intentional. Remember, she's at this well, really in hiding at the, during the, the hottest part of the day to draw water, you know, to bring back um, for herself and others in, her, in the village and um, so she has her water jar, and she meets this, and she didn't count on this, and count on seeing anybody there, and here's Jesus, and yeah, the disciples show up, and they're shocked because he didn't keep the Billy Graham rule. <laughs> and so what ensues with this conversation leads this woman to leave the water jar behind because she's finally found this living water that Jesus talks about with her, that that will well up within a fountain, springs of water leading to endless life. I think it's very intentional that John records she leaves her water jar, she goes back to the village, and then the disciples show up, and they're like, you know, Jesus hasn't eaten for a while, and they've got some food, and they're like, Rabbi, eat. And, you know, he says, I have food that you don't know about. And, you know, they're like, uh, did somebody else bring him food? You know, like he, Jesus is always doing this where he's talking about real things, but with, with deeper meanings. And so uh, here, once again, he's going to talk about, not only has he talked about living water, but this, this deeper sort of food that gives satisfaction that even Babette's feast couldn't give, that gives satisfaction that no meal 
could ever give us. And so they enter into a conversation now, Jesus and these disciples. Look at verses 36 through 38. I want us to look at that because um, Jesus says in verse 34 first that what he's doing, what he's being fed by is the will of God. He's being fed by completing God's work. What work? Well, it's the ongoing work of creation that comes through death and pain. It's the ongoing rhythm. Creation is, is, folks, it is ongoing, and we can participate in this. This new life, this resurrection, this transformation kind of work. That's what he's talking about. And then he brings the disciples and us in on our participation, our opportunity to participate in this creation event that is ongoing. Look at verses 36 through 38. Those who harvest are receiving their wages or their pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This is a true saying that one sows and another harvests. I have sent you to harvest what you didn't work hard for. Others worked hard, and you will share in their hard work. Okay, so this is the dance that now Jesus is, I believe, bringing us all into right now. This is, this is how the feast works. This is how this heavenly food works that satisfies more deeply than any, any bread can satisfy it's, um, there is nothing like being with someone who is experiencing new life, healing, transformation. Jesus is telling these disciples, guys, I was just with this woman, and I know you thought it was scandalous, but what happened there is so much better than any food that you're going to bring me right now. And he's saying, that's what I'm living on. <laughs> Have you all experienced that? Have you experienced... Maybe transformation, awakening. This is what religion is supposed to be for. It's what the church is supposed to be for. There's no use in coming. But this kind of like new life that Jesus is talking about, that oftentimes we experience through others, with others. This is why we serve others. It's so that we might be connected to God, to this kind of food. And the good thing about that is um, it's, it's not dependent upon any results, um, as Molly and Trina and I were talking, talking this week, if you're expecting to like serve others, hoping to see results, if that's why you're doing it, that will only lead to resentment. <laughs> and it's good to be reminded, no, 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 actually, um, I'm not about any, that's up to God. The results are always up to God. I am serving others so that I might feel connected to God. But when it hap- when you actually get to see a little bit of fruit. You don't always see it. We're not guaranteed. When you do, that's the fruit he's talking about. That's the food that is far more satisfying than anything else. It's why we go to the prison. Um, it's why we go to 12 baskets. Uh, you don't have to do those things, but, but Monday through Saturday or Mon- uh, Sunday through Saturday, the encouragement is to be around particularly people who would fit in a marginalized category, serve those who are needy so that you might feel connected to God. And we're simply offering two ways through which you can do that. And we're trying to mobilize as a church, but you don't have to do those things. The point of the kingdom is though, when you are around others who are needy, this mutual benefit takes place where you realize, oh, you're actually no different 
As many have said, you're one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. And what Jesus is saying here is when you find that food together and when you witness that fruit of healing, resurrection, transformation, and you or others, man, there's just nothing better. And we are experiencing that at, at Certainly, just one example is, is at Western Correctional Center for Women. That's why we go every Sunday. Next Sunday, that's why we, we bring these, our friends here. These are friends to, to be with you if you can't be there on Sunday mornings so that you can get some of this. And next Sunday, we'll have three of these ladies being baptized. Um, in my experience in church, having multiple, multiple baptisms by now has not been the norm. I don't know about y'all, um, but there's that, that's only a work of God. Um, and we'll get to enter into that. It, it's glorious. We'll get a little taste of that food that Jesus is talking about that, that is so much better than any bread. I hope you will experience that with us. And, I, I, and, and I'm telling you, if, if, that is, if this sounds foreign, let's just talk, let, let's talk um, because something is missing. This life that Jesus says, uh, this food that he's talking about is something that we're meant to experience together, this resurrection life. So, um, and, and, and this is sort of the dance that he describes in those verses, verses 36 through 38. There's God ultimately is the one sowing. Pressure's off. You, you, you don't have to do anything. This isn't because God needs you. This is so that you might be connected to God. <laughs> okay, um, God sows. Others, not just God, but others maybe have done some sowing. You're, we're just maybe links in a chain. doesn't matter where in the chain link fence you are. But someone sows, another group harvests, and then those receiving the fruit all enter into this feast together. It's a celebration. And this is all God's money. This is the money that God has for the world. It is, uh, it's our love. Now, I wore my, my Wilco t-shirt today to tell you about the most mystical, best rock line, one of the best I know of from one of their songs. Um, Wilco, my sentimental favorite. I'm not here to say they're the best rock band of all time, but, but they are, for me, my favorite band. And they're from Chicago, like the, the um, um, uh, Mike and Becky and their family. And there's a song uh, called Jesus, Etc. on their album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. came out in 2001 um, during the time of another hard time. The Twin Towers had fallen. Uh, they were told by their record label that their music wasn't accessible enough for radio and to redo this album. And so what do they do? Well, they become the first band to stream it for free before anybody else was doing this. Radiohead did it soon after. But Wilco streamed this album for free. And as it turns out, it happens to be, uh, well, it's earned the most money, the most accolades. It is, I think, their best album. And in this song, Jesus, Etc., they sing. If y'all want to break out into the song with me, that, that'll be fine too. Um, but here's how this song goes. I believe Jeff Tweedy, unknowingly, perhaps, is exegeting John chapter 4, verses 36 through 38, when he says, Our love, our love. Our love is all we have. Our love. Our love is all of God's money. Everyone is a burning sun. We're all on fire. Can be. 
with this love. If you want true riches and true wealth that actually satisfies, this is it. It's all of God's money. That's what Jesus has described. And that's how you receive it. One sows love. Another harvests in love. There's the recipient of love. That fruit we all enjoy together. That is God's greatest asset. And it's being liquidated right now. I had to look up what that meant meant this week, but I think that's the correct use of that financial term. (laughs) I know nothing about money, but I know about this money, God's love. It's all, our love is all of God's money. I'm really tempted to sing, but I won't. Um, Huh? We can do it together. Our love, our love, our love is all of God's money. Let's do it it again. Repeat after me. Our love, our love, our love is all we have. This is great. Our love, our love is all of God's money. Moving on. Um, in, in John chapter 10, Jesus says this. Now, here's another surprise about this cultural moment that we're living in. As it turns out, Jesus' sheep, well, they're being kicked out of church. Same song, different verse. Or they were never in church to begin with. They've never been to church. As it turns out, these are the sheep that Jesus says, they will hear my voice and they will come. This is also one of the plot twists about this cultural moment, I believe, that we're, I believe this is happening. I believe the fire has been thrown down and this is what is going on. I really believe this. Jesus is sheep. And this is what Jesus will do about every 500 years or so. We'll draw a line in the sand and we'll call forth his sheep and they are never who we think they will be. <laughs> Case in point, these Samaritans. But Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice and they will come. These Samaritans were thought by God's people, by the religious elite, to be unclean. And as you've heard me say, that meant you could not even drink from the same cup that the Samaritan drank from. This jar of water that this woman has with her, Jesus was not supposed to touch it or drink from it or he would be considered unclean. These people were the worst of the worst, the most outcast in all of this religious thinking. So you see, it's so intentional what Jesus is doing here. And once again, if you know nothing else about God or the Bible, but this, you know all you need to know. These Samaritans thought to be unclean. As it turns out, surprise, they're Jesus's sheep too. And he's calling them and they come. Jesus is the door. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is the only door. But literally all can enter in through him. And there's the living water. There's the good news of the gospel that I do believe will save the world. It's unconditional acceptance and love by God for all. That will save the world. I believe that more than ever in my life. 
John 10, 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So the woman immediately, did you notice, she becomes a, a harvester. She's harvesting now this fruit. She's, she's eating this bread that Jesus has given. She's drinking this water. Of un, she's experienced it firsthand. I mean, Jesus <laughs> didn't just say it, but he, he, he showed her. She ex, this becomes experiential knowing of this gospel where she goes back to this village and immediately she says, this guy told me everything I've ever done, and he didn't judge me. He didn't condemn me. He stayed. Not only that, but he came back with her and stayed for two days. That's something unusual for Jesus in the Gospels. We don't see that very much. Sustained time in homes with people. We, don't, we just don't hear about that. And here he is with these God-forsaken Samaritans in this God-forsaken place, spending two days with them. And yeah, the field is white under harvest. A feast ensues at the end of the world. Oh, but it's only the beginning. <laughs> Verse 41 says, many more believed. When this gospel good news of unconditional acceptance and love for all through the Christ, when it's said and lived out, which is the experiment of House of Mercy, I believe that will save the world. This experiential knowing of this gospel good news is what we so need so many more believed, and you, you, you heard it. They, they said, well, and it's not just hearsay now. We, we experienced it. The Christ came to our house, stayed with us, ate with us, drank with us. They experienced the gospel themselves, this experiential knowledge. And so many more believed. House of Mercy, th- this is... Um, this is, I, I hope, what we're all about. Uh, and I, I think that if, if this is happening here, once again, there's no metric for success. We're not looking for results. Um, but I do think this is what will happen. I, I think people will actually want to hear this. And they even more will want to experience this because it is the ache of our soul deeper than all our other aches, is to be unconditionally loved and accepted. And that's a good news. It needs to be, it has to be for everyone, or it can't be for me. It's all inclusive. Let's pray. Jesus, help us become this more and more, and help us just now, um, whether we ever come back to, to this space on Sunday afternoon at four or not, help us just to receive that, to drink this living water right now, to experience just a taste of this food that, that satisfies. And, and Holy Spirit, you're going to have to open our minds and open our eyes, open our hearts, our ears, so that we might experience and also see that this feast is laid out for us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.